Congratulations, you made it to the XFL. You can sit back and relax, empty your bags, and we hope you enjoy the show. Hey there, Mike, a.k.a. MTB Trigger here, and with me as always is my co-host, Ronald, a.k.a. Eric. If you are brand new, welcome. This is an Escape from Tarkov podcast where we talk about all things EFT, and our goal is to get better at the game, and we hope you come along with us on that journey. So this week is Q&A or question and answer. If this happens to be your first episode that you're catching, this isn't how we do every single show. It's the first time we've asked the community for questions, and we're going to go through a bunch of them tonight. So if you're looking for more topical Tarkov content, make sure you check out the previous episodes because that's where we do all of that. But yeah, let's get hideout keeping out of the way. So I wanted to do a special shout out to Mr. Mark Delvillar. Uh, He is our artist on the show, and he has updated everything from our YouTube banner to our podcast overlay recently. So those of you watching the YouTube version, what you see behind us is the work of Mark. So if you have a digital art need or commission that you need, we can't recommend him enough. Mark, thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Everything looks fantastic. Uh, We've got some new guide videos up on YouTube while we're talking about it. We've got one about setting up your keybinds. And then we have a separate video up about leaning and peaking with a PvP focus. So if you go over to the YouTube channel, you hit the video ribbon, then the Xfield Bootcamp section, you'll see both of those guide videos along with all of the other guide videos as well. And then the last thing that I wanted to talk about is we've updated the way that you can support the show. And this is actually from a question that we get pretty often. So we thought we'd talk about it and we're going to talk about new ways to help out as we move forward. Sharing the show and the Discord community is always appreciated. But we get asked over and over how people can get involved, how people can help. So here it is. Many of the opportunities that come for early access or developer access or anything related to having a real impact on a game or early access to it usually comes from partnership on Twitch now. So while that hasn't been a main focus of ours, It is something that we're going to be trying to grow. So hanging out in the MTB Trigger Twitch channel uh, really does help a lot. So for those of you that have done that and are doing that, thank you so much. But if you're looking for a way that you can help out, hanging out in Twitch is definitely a big one. And then the other one is just the Xfil podcast name. So if there is somebody that you want to see on the show, make sure to go in their Twitch channel or YouTube or wherever it is and saying something as simple as, hey, you should go on the Xfil podcast. When we come and reach out to them, it makes a big difference if they already know who we are. And props to you guys that are already doing that. Many of the guests that you've heard on our podcast came from them already knowing who we are. And then we reached out and that matched up and boom, we had some awesome interview shows. So that's another way you can really help out. And then, like I said before, as far as finding me and interacting with me personally, Twitch is kind of the best place to do that. So I stream a few days a week over there. You can catch me playing Tarkov and PUBG as those are my two main games. And I stream a couple days a week on Twitch. So come hang out. But that's it for me. So Ronald, how are you, man? And how can these folks get in touch with you, man? 
Hey everybody, I'm doing great. The best way to get in touch with me is on Discord. Send me a DM on Discord. I'm in the Xville Podcast Discord. Top of the list there under the host section, you'll see me. I'm on basically all day long, or I'm available to take your DM all day long and get back to you when I can. The other way to get a hold of me, if you have something a little bit more formal that's not for Discord, but you'd like to engage us, the other way to get a hold of me, if you have something more formal that you'd like to get to the podcast, would be through the email address at xpmedia2020 at gmail.com. And beyond that, I'm also on the Twitters at Ronald Gaming, so you can toss me a follow there, and you can send me a DM on Twitter as well. But now it's time to talk about how our weeks were. So MTB, how was your week in Tarkov? Um, I got very little done in game as far as like task progression goes. But I did get to turn in my thick items case trade. So that, but that was pretty much just farming the hideout. Uh, I had a bit of a weird week and it's because most of my Tarkov related time this week was actually spent around a campfire in southern Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. We did have a good time this weekend, which led me to some very, very epic, epic marshmallow tutorials that I had to go through. Because you see, the way that this works is I had to finish my week off in Tarkov by doing something that I enjoy doing, which is teaching. Because you see, MTB needed to be schooled in the ways of cooking a marshmallow. And I was able to teach him because I'm very patient and I know the best method of how to cook a marshmallow efficiently so you can get the most out of your time that you have to cook a marshmallow. Now, it required quite a bit of demonstration. And in the end, a few marshmallows were exfil camped and ended up in the fire. But all in all, we had a pretty good time. We did. And for those of you that didn't catch it in the Discord, uh, Ronald and I were lucky enough to go down to a campground with our families in the southern part of the state. And we put up a little poll in the general chat of Discord mid-camping trip about which marshmallow was cooked the right way. And I am a low and slow golden brown, puff it up as big as you can. And if you didn't figure it out from the marshmallow chat over here. Uh, Ronald is, efficiency is a really interesting term for what he does to marshmallows. He puts them straight in the fire and caramelizes them <laughs> to a dark black crisp before putting them on a s'more. So it was awesome. Like normally uh, we have a few extra days to get into Tarkov and stuff, but it lined up well with, with, with the, with the Q&A. Uh, session here, but we had a we had a great time down there with the uh, with the wives and the kiddos. It was awesome. Yep, it was great. And so you can never accuse me of of being a rat all the time because I am definitely a marshmallow chad. That W key is definitely stuck when it comes to cooking marshmallows. Shift W the whole deal, man. Those marshmallows, it is just about getting bulk, and it was fantastic. Yeah, and he can get about three times the marshmallows down to your one perfectly cooked one. Make no mistake. See, perfectly cooked is relative, though. So I think all of mine were perfectly cooked, and I had. I more. don't think that's defined as cooking. <laughs> <laughs> like no one in the history of cooking just burns things. <laughs> Pretty sure. Cooking is the act of applying heat to something, and so under that definition, I definitely cooked. Is it really definition? <laughs> cooking. Does somebody know out there the practice or skill of preparing food by combining, mixing, and heating ingredients? 
Mm -hmm. And so what I did is I (laughs) took the ingredients, I mixed them together by mixing the graham cracker in the marshmallows after I applied the skill of applying, of adding heat. I, I would argue that you prepared food by heating the ingredients. I don't know how much skill was involved, but I was severely disappointed in how even the votes were for the golden marshmallow and the black one. Like, you guys let me down. Like, it was way too close. I thought I was going to post that picture and it was going to be like landslide. That's a perfect marshmallow, Mike. You did it. You're perfect. You're wonderful. And that is a monstrosity of char on the right side. But I'm just, unfortunately, didn't really win by as much as I thought I would. And I feel like if more people saw the picture, it may be even closer than the nine to seven or whatever it was. Not only did the community come through for the correct way of cooking, but I will add this too. I lost fewer marshmallows in the fire than you did. So not only is my way superior in taste and texture at the end, I also get to eat more of them because I get to generate more, cook some mores, and I wasted less. So I'm friendly for the environment. So I just got to say, overall, my way is better, clearly. I didn't want to have to pull out the trump card, Eric, but I have a question for you. If your wife was to ask one of us to cook a marshmallow, who would she ask? <laughs> oh, she'd probably <laughs> ask me. <laughs> she, she'd probably ask me. How did it actually play out? (laughs) You know, I just like to point out one other thing for all everyone listening. MTB doesn't even like marshmallows. So that's the funny part about this whole thing. I really like cooking them, though. I like preparing them and definition dictionary version of cook them. (laughs) So not, not only did I, as his friend, have to teach him how to prepare a marshmallow, He doesn't even like them. So I went out of my way, took time away from my family this weekend to teach him how to make a marshmallow. And it turns out that the guy doesn't even like them. So all these things he's talking about who would ask who to make a marshmallow really are overshadowed by the fact that his opinion is not all that relevant because he doesn't eat them at all. Well, I did eat them. And I do know this. We discovered something this weekend. There are marshmallows covered in other sugary substances that can be found at the grocery store, namely the churro marshmallow. Not found with other marshmallows. It's in the candy aisle, folks. This is where they hide the good stuff is in the candy aisle. Right. And they make the best s'mores I have ever had. And I do like s'mores, but I don't like marshmallows. S'mores are okay. I'll have a couple. But the churro flavored marshmallow on a s'more with chocolate and the graham cacker is the best campfire treat i have ever had yeah it's not bad i i I mean i gotta say the the vanilla ones are my favorite but i don't think there's really a bad marshmallow in that particular grouping of marshmallows in that family of marshmallows if you will i think you're right i don't think you can really have a bad experience and when you get down to the plain marshmallows we did have two different kinds which led to two different cooking styles we had your traditional marshmallow just your jet puffed normal cylinder right and then we had the what would i like to call the big boy the sandwich marshmallow which is like this full-on square thick i mean this is the factory chad of marshmallows this is the thing where it doesn't matter how you cook this thing you get it cooked you get it between two pieces of graham crackers and this is almost like a full graham cracker not not two halves of a graham cracker this is the big boy this is you take one bite you're squeezing marshmallow everywhere it's a mess 
but it's so wonderful. It's pretty good. It's fantastic. So it's absolutely fantastic. <laughs> so overall, the Marshmallow King may not be decided, but we had a great time. Honestly, camping was a blast. We had a breeze the whole time, so no bugs, which was unbelievable for this time of year in Minnesota. Like, not a single mosquito. Uh, maybe one bite among the eight of us on the trip, which is just crazy. But we had campfire both nights, and... Yeah, kids were worn out and like basically completely exhausted by the end of the weekend, which is the goal. And uh, yeah, we argued about marshmallows once and for a long time. So it was great. Yep. And if you can imagine this around the campfire, you get two podcast hosts talking about marshmallows. At the end of it, nobody cared around us and they were just hoping we would talk about anything else. Not going to happen. Yep. You really, you know, you can't stop until someone really wins. And that really just was me when we had to talk, so. <laughs> Because I brought it up again. I don't, yeah, I just, I'm not going to concede. I mean, if we go by a pure, uh, you know, poll in the Discord, I won. So, I mean, we can, we can carry this on forever, but uh, golden brown, man, golden brown. We never set the parameters for when the poll ended. So I I can't really say that you won because the poll is still technically open. Mm. Fair. Just, just saying. Official marshmallow poll incoming. (laughs) It will be posted. Somewhere for your reactions, I promise. So look for that. Actually, I know where it's going to go. It's going to be in the show. Not episode feedback, not general chat. The show. By the time you hear this, you can vote on the picture and the poll will close at the end of July, July 31st. So you should have about a week to cast your votes and encourage your other marshmallow eaters. (laughs) I like this. We will settle it. <laughs> I like this. But speaking of other polls and things from previous shows, we asked everyone last week to submit questions for this week for our we very special Q&A episode for episode 30 of the Xville. And we had a lot of questions submitted, which is fantastic. So thank you to everyone that submitted questions. We've picked out quite a few actually to get through in this episode, so I think we're having a pretty good time doing that. So Trigger, why don't you lead us off? Let's let's start off. Yeah. All right. So the first question comes in from the Rusty Crab, and he asked, what is your guy's opinion on the Shooter Born in Heaven quest, and what are your tips for it? So I'll kick this one off. I think that as a final task or one of the tasks that usually gets completed last I think it has a good place in the game because it really does make you use some of the longer range guns. I will say that it's super hard and the tips I have for it are expect to spend a lot of time in the same place without seeing anything. Even if you think you've picked out the best possible spot on a map, it is actually fascinating when you're doing this task how little traffic runs by certain areas over the course of an entire raid. You know, and the other thing will happen is you'll blink, you'll look away, you'll do something, and then you'll see a guy that like ran across and and you really don't want to give up your position, so you kind of have to let him go. But you have to have a lot of patience for it. And most of the time when you're moving around, other people are moving around and that's where all of the interaction comes from. And so if you're camping like I don't know, say you're doing the interchange one and all of a sudden like you're like, I'm going to go by the Emercom Xfil because I hear people get killed there all the time by people doing Shooter Born in Heaven. 
you may see a handful of people go that way. You may not. So just prepare to be stationary for a long time and don't give up. And if you have to reset and do it again, that's okay. Most areas on the map will work for this because people do go weird places all the time. But um, I think my number one tip is just have patience and then have patience with your patience because you're going to need it on this task. And oftentimes, you know, if you go look up like a highly rated comment or video on the spots they use, those are the spots that everyone checks. You know, so if you go sit on those spots, expect to get shot or shot at because people check them. So sometimes it's worth just finding a spot that you think might work and checking it out. So what about you, man? What do you think about Shooter Born in Heaven? Um, I think it'll be an awesome thing that I may get to do. (laughs) (laughs) I have not made it that far yet. So I can tell you that when I do make it that far, and I do plan on making it that far, I will not use the common spots because that is my one thing with any video game, any guides. I go out and look at what the community is saying to do, and then I do it differently. Because especially in Tarkov, a lot of people see a guide and they emulate it exactly that same way. So if you're looking at it, you want to make sure that you just end up in a spot that's not the guide. You want to think about what the task is. In this particular case, you need to get long-range sniper shots. So think about where are the best places to do that. And there's so many different ways to do that effectively that you can find another spot in the map. The only tip I would add to what you said is that if you're not sure, I would do an offline raid and I would go investigate a couple of places with a nice, good scoped rifle and see what you can see. You know, you take an offline raid, take a few minutes to go check out some spots and and see how that works. And and you're right, the Emercom exit on Interchange is something that people definitely think is the place to camp. So I would go on the other side of the mall. I would basically just do the opposite of what people think. And you usually can trip some people up that way. Nice. All right. Next question. Make. (laughs) I had to, man. I'm sorry. I know it's Mike. (laughs) Well, I just, I'll never forget. I'll just never be able to not think make when I see your name. So you're make. Deal with it. But make asks, what is your guy's favorite time of the wipe? First week, last week, so on, etc. What's your favorite time of the wipe? Ooh, this is a good question because I feel like we're probably have come now full circle really for the first time. We started playing about six to eight weeks into the first wipe that we started playing last wipe. And that's about where we are now. So it's an interesting question. I think my favorite time of the wipe is the first uh, two weeks. That was the most fun. And the reason why is because the gear was the most even. It didn't matter. Some people were definitely better skilled and better doing things differently that way. But as far as gear goes, it was the most fun because it was the most even. And it was a lot of fun the first uh, week or two. Everyone's pretty hyped to play. The excitement level's there. You're just kind of pushing through what you're doing. And um, yeah, that was my favorite time. How about you? I actually agree with that. I have two favorite times. One is the beginning of the wipe. And for me, it's the first two or three weeks. And it, it come, it's really the same thing. Like I found the interaction with other players to be fascinating and just really fun during that time. And it's not that it's less fun later in the wipe or even right now. I'm just finding that like, 
I don't know if it's the armor, the ammo, or whatever, but I found myself laughing, like, a lot <laughs> because of the most ridiculous things would happen. Like, people would run out of ammo because they didn't have six mags. You know, you just see some weird stuff in the beginning. So I just find that I really enjoyed that. And as my first early wipe this time around was, um, it was just really neat. I really do like that. But my other favorite time is after I've hit level 40 and after I've maxed out the hideout. And the reason for that is I'm kind of an economy completionist is the way I'm going to say it, because I've sort of like, I'm not super motivated to finish Kappa right now. I'll get the task urge at some point, but I did want my hideout finished, fully upgraded, all 50 graphics cards, and and that's done. And, and it's now one of my favorite times because I can sell everything without really thinking about it. And I can gear up the way I want to gear up. I can try weird guns. I can try fully meta guns. And there's a freedom to that that I really enjoy. And those are two radically different times in the game. And I'm saying those are my favorite, but I don't want someone to misunderstand that and hear that I don't like the task progression and the leveling progression because I do really enjoy that. But that is so much longer and I have a hard time defining that. Whereas the two sections on either side are really easy to define in my mind about why I find them to be my favorite. And the tasking at that mid game is like hard to define. It's crazy. It's weird. It's fun. It's frustrating. It's all of that stuff. And for me, it's a it's just not as defined as the other two that I mentioned. So those would be my two. I forgot that we had a, a secondary question from Rusty Crab. And he asked, do you like tea or coffee? Well, that's an easy one. I don't drink coffee. So tea would be the answer there. And I am coffee all the way. Uh, since this is more of a personal question, I'll say that I love coffee. Unfortunately, it is in its normally brewed form. It's too acidic for me. So I cold brew it at home and try to keep a couple liters on hand all the time. And I really, really enjoy cold brew coffee. So basic white girl over here, I guess. So I'll also ask uh, Make, a.k.a. Mike's. Yeah, he asks, what's our favorite food? Well, for me, it's pretty easy. There's no day of the week that I won't go out and have Thai food. So pretty much, I really enjoy Thai food. We, where we live in Minnesota here, believe it or not, has a very robust Thai restaurant community and lots of second generation immigrants from Thailand. And so there's plenty of people that do uh, ethnic Thai food here very, very well. And so it's something that we've been kind of blessed to have around us. So I've gotten to enjoy Thai food and really have come to like it. What's your favorite dish? What's your favorite Thai dish? It all depends, but I mean, anything like the, with the noodle base, I don't really, I'm not a huge rice guy, so any of the noodle based dishes are, are really good. There's a crossover into Vietnamese food too, so I like any of the foes are, are very good too, and there's plenty of different flavors that come with that. And then there's, you get into the weird stuff too. <laughs> but in general, yeah, any of the noodle dishes, like the traditional pad Thai that most people get at like a cheap Thai restaurant or or like the chain restaurants is like Lian Chin or something like that is really yeah. not like what you get from an authentic Thai restaurant. Like when you go in there and it's basically a deli that makes food and those are the best places to get Thai food. And so I uh, like, like the real, real pad Thai is something I really enjoy or, or, or a summer Thai or summer pad Thai, which is like a different variation on the noodles and the ingredients, things like that. Nice. So before I give mine, 
I think a fun fact for everybody would be that uh, before Eric and I even gamed together or a podcast was even considered, we would take lunch breaks. And one of the first, I think maybe the first restaurant we went to was actually uh, a Thai restaurant in St. Paul. And it's phenomenal, man. Like, I remember we both had those like mounds of pad Thai plates. And I think that's the first restaurant that you and I ate at. I think so. And I'm pretty sure that was the birth of the Xville podcast as well. So, yep. one, so one, of the, one of the lunches there. Oh, it was totally napkin math. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was like, wait, this is awesome. <laughs> we should do this. That's kind of where it, where it was born. But um, so Thai food's one of my favorites as well. And I think for some of the similar reasons you laid out, but I love Pad Thai and I like it Thai hot. I'm a spicy food guy, and I really like it with pork in it. And if I'm having it with my wife, it'll have tofu in it because that's what she likes in there. So Thai food's up there for me. But actually, my favorite food is actually Mexican food. And where I grew up in Colorado, there were a few families from the farming area of central Mexico, which has a very different flavor profile than what most people are used to in the coastal Mexican. And so my favorite two foods, if you ever see these, go check them out and you can tell them MTB sent you. They won't know what that means, but you'll feel good saying it. But I like a deep fried chili relleno. And the key there is deep fried. And the reason you would ask for this or get it off the menu is because the Mexican restaurant has green chili, not green sauce, green chili. And that's the key for the farmland of Mexico is that they have green chili. And so the other one is called a tacos dorado. And it's basically your traditional taco, but they put the cheese and the meat on there and they deep fry all of that together. And then they put all the toppings on it and then they cover it in green chili. So that is what would signify that it is a central Mexican farmland style Mexican place. So if you ever come across those, try a deep fried Riano and a Tacos Dorado. That's my favorite food. The Mexican food's a close second for me as well. Basically, I like food. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we have a food section on the Discord, because we talk it is. about food a lot. It is, and yeah, so it's good. So the last question that we got from Mike was, do you guys have anything planned regarding community interaction, like maybe community raids or something like that? And I guess I would start this one and say that Tarkov is one of those games where it's, for me, it's so schedule-based and erratic there that this is hard to do, you know? It's it's not like PUBG where you can kind of just like jump in and be like, yeah, let's go drop in a couple games. Like, it takes a lot of prep. It takes a lot of focus. Um, this is something that we have talked back and forth. Like, how do we do this? When do we do this? I think where it's going to come from is after we get consistent with our split screen streaming, which we're going to start doing more of, um, having both Ronald and I playing uh, on stream and then figure out ways to do it from there. So we want to do this. Uh, it's more of a, you know, we take three, sometimes four nights a week to get the podcast and the other content out, which leaves like one, maybe two gaming sessions for each of us. And oftentimes they don't line up. So it can be really challenging to do this because that is something we want to do together. So I, I don't know if you have anything to add to that, but that's kind of where I'm at with that one. 
And I would just be honest and say that Tarkov doesn't really have a lot of modes which make community engagement easy. A lot of games that are FPS games have the ability to create custom matches or custom servers, and you can do fun community kind of meme stuff with. And Tarkov just doesn't have a lot of that in the game yet. So we would have to do something around the system that's not designed for that, in which case the people that would be involved in it would be sacrificing or potentially sacrificing money and gear and things like that. And that never feels good. So we're still trying to figure out the best way to do that. The best way right now is the Xville Discord itself is full of people who want to play. And so there's kind of, I would call it mini community stuff going on all the time. So yeah. there's people hanging out in the, the different squad channels and, and LFG looking for group channels. And that's definitely a spot that we've encouraged quite intentionally and think that um, is in a good place. People are using it and a lot of people have kind of formed their squad, right? I mean, a lot of you who are listening right now have found those three or four people that you're playing with consistently. And we really like how that's developed. That's a piece of community engagement that has been good. But going forward, I think the answer is we'd love to have some of that big community night stuff. And, you know, we're tossing around a few ideas right now, but still working through that. But good question. Yeah. And I, I guess the other things that I would point to are things like the teased arena mode, you know? So if, if BSG ever releases an arena mode, that seems like a place where we might be able to organize around something like this, which is why I think they're developing this anyway. And then, you know, if there's suggestions and stuff on that, we're, we're definitely open to that. The hardest part is like the maximum amount of people that you can do this with is four other people and run, you know, like a scav raids and stuff like that. You're talking to two people that really like playing solo. <laughs> so we're, we're definitely open ideas. And it's a great question, and it's something we've talked a lot about. We value consistency and being able to offer stuff like that on a regular basis if we're going to commit to it, and the right situation hasn't presented itself yet. So, yeah, we'd love to do it. It just hasn't happened quite yet. Okay, the one heart, Kev, asks, Do you think you guys would have been able to stick with Tarkov if you had started when it was only two maps? Performance was a lot shakier, and there was no flea market. Or do you think it was the perfect time when you guys got in last wipe? I'll let you answer this one first, because I know what my answer is. My answer is I had people tugging me into the game, trying to get me to buy it and play it uh, back in that state. And at the time, I was uh, hopelessly and beautifully addicted to PUBG, which I still am. But um, I saw a lot of that stuff when I went and looked at it and saw streams and uh, it looked too slow for me back then. So yeah, I, I don't know that if I got in that I would have stuck with it. I do think that the MMO element is a big pull for me. And I was on and off with World of Warcraft for the better part of 10 years. And this has kind of like quenched that thirst to play that game. I My subscription's no longer active on WoW. And this really meets my MMO sort of desire to play. So um, I really don't know that I would have stuck with it back then. But like many people did when they released the big update recently that actually got us into the game, I would say. I'd imagine that I would have checked it out and at least potentially been interested. But I, I would honestly lean towards probably not i don't know what about you 
I'm really torn because I think I would have really enjoyed the game in that state, honestly. I think I would have really enjoyed a lot fewer of the, I'll call them, seemingly arbitrary systems that are in place right now. And even though it would have been more time consuming, I think I would have enjoyed the game with fewer items and the flea market not being there and just the ability to play the game on two maps and master two maps versus having to master everything that they have now. I think if I would have gotten in at that point, I probably would have really liked it. And it would have been interesting if they would have added the flea market. It would have probably just enhanced my enjoyment of the game. But I I think it would have been easier to play if no one had ever had it. And there was no hideout. There was no flea market. The game was just about going in, doing a raid and surviving and coming out with whatever you come out with. I think actually that would have been a lot of fun to play that type of game early on. So I I think if I would have picked it up, I think I would have stuck with it. Yeah, and it's interesting because the flea market, and I always forget that it wasn't in the game, but the flea market for me is actually one of the things that really helped me stick with it through the really challenging times. So that's actually an even bigger question mark for me. I would like to think that I would enjoy it when it was just a straightforward go in, get what you can, get out, and fewer maps. I would like to think so, but the flea market is what got me out of a couple ruts last wipe. When, to your point, there's a lot of maps, there's a lot of things to master. Focusing on economy was the thing that got me out of that sometimes. So it's a great question. Obviously, we will never know the answer to that, but I can just point to the things that I'm not sure about. So I think ultimately the game would be very different without the flea market and without the hideout. So I think that there's a few things now that would be very different. I think you can't put Pandora's box back together, so I don't know if they could ever really go back. But as far as looking back and playing the what-if game, I think that that different game would have been fun to play. I, I agree, and you know, if you could get as many cases as you could last wipe, I probably would be all in on old Tarkov. if i can hoard it's probably a good mode like i'm in (laughs) oh man i wonder though like talking about that like you know it was however many years and then world of warcraft did wow classic i wonder if like tarkov ever in some like distant future would be like here's tarkov classic for all you whiners that don't like the current version of the game I hope that's a long way off because the present version of the game needs stability. (laughs) What is classic Tarkov? Now that's a question. (laughs) The other question we got from Kev was, will you both please record your submissions for Sanitar's creepy laugh and custom English tagline? Yep. And after (laughs) thoughtful consideration of this, um, no. Yep. Nope. Sorry, Kev. It's it, the answer is no, but we uh we love you, Kev. But no, um, the next one comes in from Lobo Loco. What a cool name to say, by the way. Hmm, I like it. What is the best map for beginners to start on? Well, Lobo Loco, you just happened to touch on a future Xville topic. So all I'm going to say now is look forward to that episode when you see it coming out relatively soon. And I think that this is a very loaded and somewhat serious question, and I'm not going to answer it now. You have to wait for the episode. (laughs) I guess that means I can't answer it either, Lobo Loco. I'm sorry, but 
we are going to actually take this one to uh, a future episode, potentially even the next episode, and answer this one at length. So sorry to uh, make you wait on that one, but you stumbled into a planned show topic, and you can take credit for it if you want. That's why we why we put it on here. So great question. We intend to uh, answer this one at length in the future. Uh, next question is from Wolfterstark. What is your favorite gun to use and why? Man, that is a situational question. I think it largely depends upon where you're at in the game and what you can afford to use on a regular basis. Let's go uh, no budget. You don't have a budget. You can use whatever you want. What's your gun? Probably an M4 with, you know, kitted out M4 with some kind of infrared or FLIR scope on it or something like that. For me, I think no budget... I think I'm probably using an M1A with the Voodoo scope on it and modded for high ergonomics. Uh, I really like the ability to scope quickly, and I really like the clearness of the Voodoo scope, the six times specifically. So I'm uh, that that would be what I would look for. I would also say a close second for me would have a Reaper on it, depending on what I'm doing. I mean, if my goal is to go in and and kill people and farm stuff or or I need to get through a map, the Reaper is super nice for that. But I've actually started using the Voodoo a lot more, and I actually really like the clearness and what ultimately turns into the accuracy from using that scope. Because I found that uh, when I use thermals, and I haven't used one this wipe yet, but when I used them last wipe, you miss a lot of shots because of the graininess of the picture. And this wipe, I've been using the Voodoo a lot more and connecting with a significant amount more shots. So M1A, high ergo with a Voodoo scope, and it's just an extremely versatile scope. And it works on basically any map uh, because it has a 1x uh, zoom out feature as well. So Yep, that's actually a great scope, and I've been using those recently as well. Nice. All right, so weird looking cat. actually. Um, let's, let's, uh, so that was the no budget. Let's go with what gun are you using when you want some killing power, but you don't want to break the bank? Let's say you have reasonable funds, but you're not trying to go crazy. I actually really like the ADAR. I built a gun build that I call the Chadar, and it's, it's a very effective and budget weapon. The whole thing is probably about 70k, 75k. Decent ergo decent scope you can use a uh, scope you had mentioned or other some kind of red dot or whatever it depends if you're doing long range or short range but you throw you know halfway decent ammo in there and you can farm people all day with that that's kind of been my go-to gun for farming in the mid-20s and it's very effective so i mean that that's kind of what i've been using early on before i was using sks's which also great gun that you can use at level one and get find pretty readily available and then you get the OPSKS and you can modify it a little bit. But if you're hurting for funds or if you just have medium funds, you know, SKSs and ADARs are really good budget guns. Yeah, I agree. And and the budget gun that I would throw into that mix for the same reason you outlined, and my favorite is the 76239 version of the Vepper. And it's for all the reasons that Ronald just outlined for the ADAR and the SKS. But the reason I like the Vepper is I kind of ignore vertical recoil. And for 30 to 50,000 rubles, if you find one on a scav, you can modify it to be high ergo. 
And then personally, I will put a 30 rounder with BP in it, which is extremely high pen, high damage. And then I will carry a couple extra mags with just PS ammo, which for the same reasons Eric outlined for the SKS, PS ammo is cheap, available from level one. It has great stopping power on it. So same reasons as the SKS. I just like the modability of the Vepper. Again, you find it just about as often as you do SKSs on scavs. So for me, that's the one. Uh, the next question comes in from Weird Looking Cat. What keybinds do you guys use in EFT and or other PC games that our console converts or new EFT players may really benefit from? And I think for this one, is there anything that you've like changed around a lot? You know, because World of Warcraft MMOs, if you're not familiar with like a traditional MMO, they have a tremendous amount of key binding that goes on and people use radically different configs. So like one of the jokes is like if you ever sat down on someone who plays WoW's computer and tried to play, you probably couldn't do it because the key bindings get so crazy. So I'm actually really curious how you do this and if there's anything that you mess around with a lot in Tarkov that other people might find helpful. In my experience, FPS keybinds are pretty much very similar. I, I'm i just trying to think of if I changed what I changed. I bound a button on my mouse to heal, which is basically slot 5, and that's where I always keep a heal. And I uh, bound a button on my mouse to uh, change a scope from like the like the 1 to the 6x would be an example. Just change that scope. I think those are the only two for Tarkov that I've I've changed so far. I've been experimenting with doing a couple other things, but Tarkov is not very configurable in some of these ways though. They don't have a lot of action areas that you can configure. At least I'll I'll say at least things that are common, you know what I mean? So common actions, you can get into all kinds of nuanced things like peak lean and then like the slow lean and then like whatever 20 versions of lean there are that, you know, that only you use. There's that kind of stuff. But I've been experimenting with basically trying to use more buttons on my mouse because I've got my thumb is basically available for quick actions and always riding over buttons on this mouse that I have. So I'm trying to figure out how to more effectively do that. And so, yeah, that's what I've been playing around with lately. Yeah. And for me, it's actually kind of a similar mindset. I don't change a ton. When I do change something, I try to analyze like, why did I die? And was it because I didn't do something quickly enough? And if that's the case, I go in and I kind of look at my key bindings and say, was that because it's a modify key? Like I have to do shift plus a key to do that action. Do I not do that action that could have saved me because it's too hard to hit? Or do I just need to get it faster, which to me says get it on my mouse hand. So the things that I have changed specifically under that context are discard because I farm scavs a lot or if you kill PMCs and they have a lot of loot, oftentimes you need to be able to discard and rotate things really quickly. So I actually have discard on my mouse now. Like Ronald, I also use the variable zoom on my mouse as well. I used to have changing scopes on my mouse, like going from a canted sight PK06 to a Reaper scope and things like that. But I found that in those scenarios, I had time to do the control left click or whatever the default is. But I really like having the variable zoom on my mouse. And then the other one that I would say most people in my experience don't use in Tarkov 
that you should have bound to something easy to press on your keyboard hand is free look. Um, the default is middle mouse. It just seems really awkward to me. I'm not a big fan of actions that require you to move your mouse also being attached to your mouse. So clicking a button on your mouse to free look and then potentially clicking it off as well can affect where your aim ends up. So I would highly recommend moving that to another key, but having good access to it. I, I mean, I watch a lot of streamers too, and I feel like free look is very underutilized, except for when people are like running across hallways trying to get information there. But even then, you don't see a lot of people using it. So free look's another one that I would highly recommend. Free look in Tarkov is middle mouse button, right? By, yep. by default. Yep. So. Yeah, and I just I don't really like it there because it requires you to take your uh, finger off of your you know either your ADS key or your fire key, and so like if you're in the middle of a free look and you see a guy, you either have to perform another action to get out of it, or depending on if you have it as press, which a lot of people leave it there, you have to hit that button again to get out of it, and then you don't have your finger on your fire button, and you're just adding milliseconds and reaction time onto when you can actually shoot if you get cut out of position. So that's why I recommend having it off of your mouse. Yeah, I've actually been playing around with using the middle mouse button for looting operations. So like when you're in a looting screen for either equipping something, quick equip or quick loot, something like that. That's where I kind of see the middle mouse button being valuable. Yep, I use middle mouse as my discard. So same thing loot related so yeah great question man really good next question is the order 22 asks what is your wish lists of guests to interview that is really hard to say wish list of guests to interview i gotta say like i've been just amazed and excited to have the guests on that we've had already you know when we first started this it's only been live for about six months i would have never have in my wildest dreams, guess that we would have had some of the folks on and built some of the relationships we've had. So I'd say we've been very, very blessed to get where we are, and I'm pretty excited for the future. So if there's somebody who you want to see on the show, the best thing to do is to go into their chat in Twitch and mention the XFIL and say, hey, go on the show, check these guys out. And that's honestly the best way to get somebody specific that you want on the show. Yeah. And I, I would agree. I think we've had the chance to talk to people I didn't think we'd get to talk to uh, potentially ever, uh, but also honestly, like anywhere, right? So we've had amazing guests. I agree with you. I think for me, what it really boils down to is I like to have anybody who is invested in Tarkov, but also likes to look at things from multiple sides and isn't so dead set on their own opinion that they're not willing to discuss something. And so. There's a lot of streamers out there that are good at this. You know, I guess just a little insight into it is that people that stream full-time, stream full-time, <laughs> you know, so getting two schedules to line up to do a podcast every week is challenging. And then adding a third person into that can be really hard. And so there's times where we've had someone who wanted to come on the show or we had talked to about it and we're talk trying to get it done for weeks and weeks and weeks and then it just can't happen because... People have jobs, people stream, like it, it's a lot of work uh, to get it done. And then it's hours out of their time. And sometimes that's asking people to do that out of their stream, which for full-time streamers costs them money, you know? So there's a big appreciation we have for the people that did take the time to come on and for the future guests that do, you know, but 
if you're really asking for specific names, it's a lot of the names that come up in, in Discord a lot. And to be honest with you, some of the names that started on our wish list have already been on the show. <laughs> like <laughs> there was a couple that we hadn't really heard of, but were were recommended to us. And I mean, I'm not I'm comfortable saying it. Like we had never heard of Dottie Hack before Dottie was recommended to us. And that's someone that we still talk to all the time. It was a great show, great guest, not someone that we had heard of. It came on a recommendation and said, You need to talk to this guy. And so we did. And he's growing his Twitch channel like crazy. He's someone that we're still in contact with to this day. And I really appreciate that, you know? And then from that, I mean, we've even had conversations with him. Um, We've had conversations with Geeksay and said like, hey guys, like, who do you think would be awesome to go after? And I can tell you right now, uh, Jesse Kazam was a direct recommendation for us to check out by Geeksay early on. And then when he started doing the podcast, it was like, okay, dude, like this guy's podcasting, like, let's go get on here, man. <laughs> you know, so it's really cool how things evolve. And, you know, it's it's hard to say like we want people when we've already had great people on the show. So uh, I hope no one hears like we're not. And again, Eric, I think you did a great job explaining it, but it's hard to like come out and say like, here's who we want. Because until we start talking to somebody about being on the show or they express interest or whatever, it's hard to say um, that will do it because we've had some conversations with people that just don't want to come on, on and do a podcast because this is a different medium. And you're, I mean, it's a long form discussion and not everybody is up for that. I guess that's the extra that I would sprinkle onto that conversation. Yeah. And the reality is too, that the way that we do our show and how we talk about the game, we like having guests on that do all point, different points of view. And it's been great so far. And I think, honestly, in the future, you can look forward to, you know, more guests like what we've had. We seem to be building relationships with a lot of cool people that are very like-minded. And yeah, it's been a lot of fun. So it's hard to give you like an, an exact list because it doesn't really work like that. It kind of works like the relationship gets built and you're like, it's just like making another friend. So it lets you a little insight. It's kind of like you get to know somebody, you kind of become friends with them. And then you're like, oh, cool. Uh, we should talk about the game on the show because we're talking about it so much offline that it really kind of makes sense. So that's kind of how the whole guest thing works. It's not like um, as impersonal as a business transaction, usually speaking. So you end up like, like with Geeksay being on the show a couple times, right? You we know, can't get rid some- of him, though. I mean, he's wrong a lot, but I still love him. So it's just one of those things where, you know, it's 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 relationship. And, and I'm going to so, ask him right now if he likes golden marshmallows or burnt, because it could be, it could ruin him for you. <laughs> well, I, I, I mean, I have no doubt in my mind he would ask you whatever you like and he would agree with you, but that's fine. He's wrong a lot, and I'm okay with that. I still love him. So yeah. it's just... Uh, it's all relationship based and and that's kind of kind of how it works. Well said. <laughs> this one's funny to me because the order 22 also asked, "Why do you hate the find and raid flea market so much?" And I feel like he's directing this at you, so I'm going to let you take it first. Um, I don't really hate the find and raid flea market. That's that's the whole thing about it. It's very different than what the other flea market was. Uh, I think it hurts the game. But for me personally, if you're asking me personally, uh, I've adapted 
and I'm making just as much money as I was last wipe and just doing it in a different way. I think that um, it's less fun. So if you're looking at the game from what's fun and what's not fun, I don't think it, it increases the factor of enjoyment for Tarkov to not have find and raid. And I don't think the game should be designed around avoiding RMT. So I, I would say it's not that I hate the find and raid flea market. I just think that it's not as fun as having a find and raid flea market. Yeah, and, and I would say similarly, I found a tremendous amount of value towards me enjoying and having fun in the game around the last wipes flea market. It was really fun for me to try to figure out what were profitable trades to to flip and sell on the flea market and and how to maximize economy even when I couldn't be playing the game. And so that's now shifted into hideout crafts and things like that. So they didn't completely remove that from the game, but they changed it a lot. And now rather than being a deep workable system in the game that you could actually almost play as a mini game of itself last wipe it's now just a well if you don't need this sell it on the flea market if it's worth more kind of thing and so it it sort of bums me out that uh, rmt and again this is my opinion has ruined what the flea market was originally intended to do and that was to you know again in my opinion uh, allow players to trade for valuable things that you know maybe they found something really valuable for another player and to allow the exchange of value on that regardless of where you got it so i guess i'm hopeful to see what they come up with in the future as they continue to flesh out and test things out there's all kinds of ways that they could bring the flea market back and keep find and raid on certain things and and maybe it's a mix maybe it's a mix of last wipe and this wipe for where it actually ends up we'll we'll just have to see Yep, we're in beta, so we don't know what the final product is going to be. So I would say for this wipe, the flea market changes are not as fun as the flea market was last wipe. Yeah, and then uh, SLZ writes in and asks, when will you invite some noobs on the show to talk about their experience in Tarkov? (laughs) And I'll take this one. Uh, (laughs) Part of the problem is if we were to do that and plan it out, one of the funny parts is when you feel like you're kind of a noob in an area or you feel not good at a particular part in the game. It's kind of a thing with Tarkov where you tend to dive in and research that and become an expert in it <laughs> really quick. And so if we were to do that, I think by the time we actually got to doing that show, the person that we had identified as a noob or was self-classifying themselves as a noob uh, probably isn't anymore. <laughs> so... We, we've had topics where we're like, we're going to talk about this and be super fresh. And then just inadvertently, we learned all about it. And it's like, well, that's not fun anymore because we know everything about it. So I don't know how we would do that effectively. Yeah. And it's hard too because nobody wants to be in that position, right? So as interesting as it would be for an experienced player to hear about Tarkov through the lens of someone who's totally new and unexperienced. I think that nobody realistically wants to be thought of like that. So in general, uh, I'm happy to still maintain that position and y'all can make fun of me for not being high enough level. And we'll talk about, uh, talk about my experiences in Tarkov. Yeah. And and I will say this though, one of the other things along the same lines is like, it's hard to find people in that position and also people that want to talk about things from that position. You know, we've thought about things like trying to find somebody 
even if it was anonymously, uh, who was involved in the RMT, right? Whether they were selling or using it or whatever. And it's it's just super challenging to do stuff like that is to really narrow in on the way somebody is or plays and have them be excited to share that. Because <laughs> you know, most of the time when I'm feeling like a noob in a game, I'm doing everything I can to get out of that. And if I was in some way not being honest with the game or doing something to get around certain issues, I don't know that I want people to know that either. So it's things like that that I'm not sure that we'd ever be able to do and have it truly be authentic and not be a, well, when I was a noob or when I was using RMT kind of situation. So that's kind of how I land on that. Yep. And the last point I'll say there is there's so many different ways to play Tarkov that it's really hard to you know, define what that really, really means. There's inexperience, which is just, you know, not having played for a few hours. But then beyond that, if someone plays their own way and they have fun, who are we to call them a noob? They're having fun. Yeah. So. Um, Boo Boo Got You TV asks, Mr. Boo Boo, the king rat. <laughs> he did turn in some bitcoins for a thick weapons case, folks. So he did it. He asks, now that you have been around the game for about eight months and have experienced a pretty much full wipe cycle, how are you feeling about the game from when you first started? And can you ever see them, BSG, ever releasing a finished product? To answer both questions real simply, uh, I feel great about the game. I'm just as excited as I was when I first started. And to answer the second question, absolutely, I can see them releasing a finished product. Keep in mind that a finished product is largely in the eye of the beholder. There will come a point at which the devs feel that the product is ready for release. Then that's what a finished product means. And then it'll be ready for an expansion or a patch or DLC, which will be future iterations on wherever that point is. So BSG has to decide sometime whenever they decide that the game is ready to be 1.0 and be sold. And it's in a good enough spot where people will buy it. And judging by the number of people playing Tarkov now, I would assume that it's in a good enough spot where people will buy it. Now we're just largely having feedback and discussions on nuances of different systems, which is what every game goes through. So I think that the finished product, whatever that means to you or whatever that means to BSG, is probably closer than you think and that absolutely it's going to get there. Yeah, and so for those two questions, uh, how am I feeling about the game compared to when I first started? When I first started this game, coming from being an FPS chat in PUBG, I was confused, I was lost, I was broken, I was shamed, I was broken again, and I loved it. <laughs> so I'm I'm nowhere near emotionally where I was when I first started the game because I feel a lot more comfortable, but now I'm in the like mastery stage of like, I want to master some of these things. And it's just not that close. And it's this really interesting place to be because I've never loved and hated a game so much at the same time, you know, because like I can log in like jacked up that I have a couple hours to play Tarkov in a row, and I'll die four times back to back. And there is no other game that I can be that excited to play. And by the end of the session, want to log out and play something else like Tarkov. And alternatively, I can log in kind of begrudgingly, like, oh, I need to get some task progression. Da, 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 da. And then I'll have a phenomenal raid. I'll kill a thick boy and, 
you know, just get all of his butter out of the raid. And then I'm hyped up and I'll play it for way too long. And next thing you know, I'm like, Eric, dude, it's like 2.30 a.m., man. We got to go to bed. <laughs> so it's, I, as far as a generic, as far as a general uh, statement is, I didn't know why I loved Tarkov in the beginning, and now I do. And I still am very much enjoying this game. And as far as the releasing of finished product, I kind of agree with everything you said about it, Eric, like that, you know, at some point they're going to decide to release it. I guess what I would say is, yes, I believe they will release it. I don't know what type of game Tarkov will be in its released state. I don't know if it will remain a seasonal title or will turn into an open MMO type hardcore FPS experience. Um, I think both of those versions could be really successful. I think they are approaching the point where they really need to decide and start making decisions for whatever way it's going to actually be, because right now it feels like they're making changes down both paths, and it's not clear which one they're going to finish up in. Couple left. Uh, Benjamin asks, if there was one thing from another game you could port into Tarkov, what would it be, and why would it be WoW? Mm. You mock us, sir. So I will answer your question with a direct answer. I would put add-ons into Tarkov, some kind of API to read data only, not change anything, but read data. That's the thing I would put in. For me, I've said it on previous episodes, is actually also an API-related function. But what I would want in Tarkov is an API that connects with third-party sites intentionally and not from you know data mining. And the things that I would like to see are things like PUBG.Report, where streamers kill each other in PUBG, and you can go watch both sides of that interaction on that exact point in the timeline. I think that is just one of the coolest things in gaming that I have ever seen. And the other things that come out of it are, you know, when the API connects externally, there's sites, and I'll just keep plugging them, I guess, but PUBG Lookup has a function where you can do a 2D overhead view of the entire match because of the API connecting with all of the players. And you can watch how people rotate. You can take a 30-minute match, speed it up 10 times, and consume it in three minutes. And from a learning tool to get better at the game, they are phenomenal. Now, again, I've said it before, I think Tarkov, they want it to be hard. They want it to be hardcore. And I don't see those things coming in, but that would be my wish list is to have some of those external API tools and community and content generating third-party resources. And the last question for both of us comes from Ruined, and he says, what in your experience has been the most challenging and trying task you've had to do yet? I got to think on this one. I think for me, it was Last Wipe, and it was killing Gluhar. When it was the third to last task, and it gated all of the other ones, so I had to kill Gluhar, then I had to kill Raiders, then I had to turn in Collector. That was the worst, because the only way to get that done in a reasonable amount of time when it's the only thing you have to do is literally sprint around reserve like a maniac trying to find a group of seven murder machines plus Gluhar. And when there's nothing else to do, it I mean, it's really just throwing rubles at a wall, hoping RNG goes in your favor. And then you have to win a challenging fight or you run in there and see that he's already been killed. Just kind of a maddening process, and it took me almost a week 
of just running for that one thing. So that for me was by far the most challenging task. I know people get it done their first try. So uh, that also adds to my frustration. (laughs) Yeah, I uh, didn't make it that far last wipe. So the most challenging tasks, I think, are the ones that you have to do with certain kinds of armor on or off. So right now, killing whatever, however many scabs on a on a map without any armor, those get to be a little bit like throwing rubles at the wall after a certain amount of time. Then there's a couple tasks that are, you have to find something on one map and then hide it on another. And if you die during that process, you start over again. Those can be also pretty brutal, right? So the, you know, you can get to right exactly where you're at to go and you're, you're hiding it and you have three seconds left in the plant and you get killed. Well, now you get to start over again. So those tasks can be uh, kind of frustrating. I think in general, the ones that I find the most annoying are the specific long-range sniper shots that you have to do without any armor because as soon as you take one shot, you give yourself away and then, you know, you get shot at. So, yeah, those are rough. I actually had a hard time with those uh, this wipe as well. Uh, I got through those pretty easy last wipe, but then the specifically killing the scavs the sniper scavs on customs or actually i don't think it's just customs but maybe that's why i struggled with it because that's where the the only map that i tried to do it on uh but killing sniper scavs i died a lot this wipe so i i agree with that one all right uh we have just a handful more but now we're moving on to we had one person ask each of us a question for each other so uh i'll read mine to you first and this question comes in from Prager. And he wanted to ask you, how excited are you about your favorite map finally getting the most exciting boss to date? Oh, I absolutely can't wait. This is this boss is going to be a blast. It can loot other people, can heal himself, can spawn in various places in the map. It's going to be just a blast. And all that time that I spent running around avoiding the death zone of resort on Shoreline is going to finally pay off. <laughs> Because I know Shoreline very, very, very well. All the little hidey holes, all the terrain features. And I look forward to uh, hunting Sanitar, the new boss on Shoreline. Awesome. And uh, likewise, Prager, who we appreciate very much, by the way, he's one of our oldest Xville community members. So shout out to Prager. Uh, we love you, man. Uh, he asked for Mike, what are your thoughts on the elite level for skills and the number of raids it will take to hit them? And what it says about how close the game is to a no-wipe reality. Um, okay. So, elite level skills. Man, I don't want to sound negative on this, but I think they are a total waste of development time right now. Um, I don't think they... I don't think they're fun. You know, I don't think grinding to skill level 51 is not fun. And then furthermore, when you get it, it ruins that skill. And I haven't got any of these, honestly. But then when you lose it at a wipe cycle, or furthermore, when someone sees you doing something that in the current iteration of the game that they could never possibly achieve, like everything is like reasonably achievable in this wipe. Like even I think people that don't have a ton of playtime if they really wanted to go after Kappa um, or they wanted to chase a high ruble count or whatever the end game is to them, I think you can achieve that in a wipe. It may take the whole time, and I think that's okay. Mastery level skills in the current iteration of the game, 
I don't know. I just think that there's such a huge boost when the incremental, like tiny percentages you get for leveling them over time. And then all of a sudden it's like, boom, you can run a marathon compared to a guy that can't run up a hill. It just, I don't think it makes sense. I think it would be better suited to be a stair step the whole time. And then maybe you get a little minor bump at the mastery. I do think in a persistent game, to Progress' point that he's asking here, is that they have a place in a game where your PMC doesn't get wiped. And it's like, I almost wish they didn't have them in the game right now. And then when it went persistent, they were like, oh, by the way, if you focus on leveling this skill, you get this. But that never gets taken away from you. So it's like, I don't know. I guess I don't really like things that are unachievable for a vast majority of the player population. Because the truth is, like, I probably won't get a mastery skill during this wipe. So I don't know. I guess I would ask you your thoughts on it, too. But I, I don't understand why they're even mentioned or available in the game right now. I don't see how it adds value to the game to have something that is so unattainable for most of the player base. It's not even a carrot to me. It's almost completely irrelevant to me. So I it's an irrelevant land for me too, you know, and like the one that I really want would take so much time, like the search one where you can search two things at the same time really fast. <laughs> like that's really cool. But I think I'm like level 12 search right now, <laughs> you know, so it's just super yeah. unlikely, which makes it feel irrelevant. And then, you know, as people start getting it, it almost feels unfair. So super interesting. Great question. I would like to see these in the game more stair-stepped. And then during persistent, maybe they could go back to the way it is now, you know, because after however long you get one of these, that would be a really cool achievement if it never got taken away from you. Or it would be really fun to grind for these over long periods of time if you knew that when you got it, it wasn't going to go away. So right now, I don't think it's fun. I think it could be fun in the future. And the last set of questions are just ones that we kind of wanted to answer that we get a lot of the time privately. And we're not going to say the names of the people that have asked these questions. We'll just kind of keep it anonymous. Uh, But we get asked these a lot. And they're kind of hard to answer over a DM or in a short form, uh, like private message kind of thing. So I thought maybe um, we'd answer a couple of these. And we kind of already answered one. And there's really just two. But the, the first one is, why did you make the podcast? And, and I'll kick this over to the Ronald after I go here. But I, I'll say this, you know, we started talking about the game and doing a podcast about the game because we fell in love with it. You know, if you guys remember back to Xfil 1 and 2, which weren't even called Xfil, it was XP Gaming back then. And then those first couple episodes, like, <laughs> I listened back to those and I'm like, man, I had no idea what I was doing, <laughs> you know? But it was just like a, just a kind of complete infatuation with Tarkov. And what the podcast turned into and, and molded into was not just a community that I'm super proud of, I love being involved with. But just seeing so many new people to the game after the drops event struggling with me, and sometimes they're struggling in areas that I was actually decent at, and then I was out there learning so much from people through streams and blog posts and all this stuff, and I was relying so heavily on other people, I just kind of wanted to share 
the things that I could to help people get through some of the things they were struggling at. And so I guess where it really like dug in and was like, I want to do this weekly, man. Would you do this weekly with me is I wanted to ease some of the burden that this game puts on you because breaking through some of those things and learning the systems in Tarkov is one of the coolest moments in my gaming career like personally like i look at breaking through some things in tarkov as being just phenomenal like there's things that i'll never forget um and they rank in like the top five of like gaming moments for me so that's kind of why i really wanted to start doing it as a weekly show and thai food i guess napkin math (laughs) but what about you man i think one of the best things about gaming in general for me is I enjoy finding groups of people that enjoy playing the games that I like to play. And so because of that, uh, the best way to do that is to either join a community that's active or try to create your own. And over the years of gaming that I've done, I've done both. I've joined communities playing games. I've created clans and guilds and all those kinds of things and managed all of that. And with Tarkov, it was an opportunity to really see how many people out there kind of, you know, were in the same boat that we were in. There's lots of people that love Tarkov uh, previous and had a lot of information in their own communities built up in their own ways. But I think you and I both kind of recognized that Tarkov was a special game and that there was going to be a lot of new people coming in. And I really, like you, enjoy just breaking down how things are going, right? How, how we can get better at the game how we can celebrate our wins and how we can learn from our challenges. And along those ways, um, I think it's important and I think it's kind of fun that we're able to do that in this format because not only do we learn more along the way, but all of you who are listening hopefully pick up a thing or two along the way too. And it's been so much fun and very rewarding to have it develop kind of the way that we originally hoped, really. We were really hoping to find a few other people that like Tarkov as much as we do. It's really grown in a way that is really unbelievable. And we're so thankful for that. And we really appreciate uh, everybody who's joined the Xville community. And you guys are all great. You make it what it is. Even Kev, who asks us to do creepy voiceovers, which <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it really has turned into something... Uh, special you know i i laugh a lot of times like i think i'm caught up and then i was like oh i need to i know there was some questions for this show in general chat and i need to go get those and i wasn't in discord for like the afternoon and it's like oh my gosh you guys 117 messages like what's going on in here (laughs) like i don't have time to read this but it's it's amazing to me just to see how many active people there are um in the discord but also like Discord, it may seem like the main community piece, but it's like we've had amazing interactions in the comments on YouTube um, over DM from people that either joined the Discord and left it and they still listen, but they just, you know, Discord is new for some people. And if you don't turn off the notifications, it can be really annoying. (laughs) We've heard that from some people, but it's just kind of neat, like just seeing how many different perspectives are out there and then uh, it never gets old when we say some like random thought on a show and then like two or three weeks later, somebody finds the show or something and says like, man, I didn't know you could do this or I didn't know you could do that. 
thanks for talking about that or I'm in the same boat and you know it it's it's one of the most like rewarding and crazy feelings when something that you feel bad about or like you didn't do well or you know you're kind of talking about it like maybe I shouldn't do it this way and then someone else is like no do like I do it the exact same way and then you get like 10 of those DMs like both Ronald and I have experienced that and I guess the last thing I'll say on this little ramble of mine is one of the things that is truly truly incredible is there have been some crazy hard topics that we've discussed that have also come up in Discord specifically and to have a community of people that can literally be on complete opposite edges of a coin talk about things respectfully and maturely even when they disagree completely and to find some common ground and things like that is one of the coolest things I've witnessed in gaming and it's something that I hoped for when we created this and decided to create a community and a hub uh, it makes me like I don't know like gamer proud you know <laughs> like it's just it's something that I really really like and it, it happens a lot and it's really cool. So I just wanted to say thank you to you guys as well, just for asking questions. I mean, we were going to go an hour and we're way beyond that now, but just to have the questions to answer from you guys, it, it's a real pleasure that you guys care enough to to even send those in. Yep, absolutely. And I'll add one other piece to it that has been really great is that along the way in the show, we both decided to really share things that what we're you know, good at what we're bad at, those kinds of things. And it's easy really to talk about everything that you're great at. It's easy to come across and say, I think that, you know, I'm good at this and blah, blah, blah. And then everyone else can say, oh, yeah, you're good at this or whatever. It's more difficult to talk about things that, you know, you're you're not great at. Along the way, you know, we've both taken chances where like, you know what, we're really not good at this. In some gaming communities, right, that would be looked upon as, oh, well, you're a noob or whatever, or, you know, whatever. And there have been a few times where I personally, I've put myself out there on the show rather intentionally and been ready for negative feedback or, or things that are really not positive in general. But what's happened is quite the opposite. I'll get 15 or 20 DMs from people saying, hey, I want to help you. I didn't realize, you know, you're having trouble with that, or I'd love to talk you through that, or I'd love to take you on a raid or whatever. It, it's not, oh, you're bad because you're not as high of level or whatever. It's, hey, I want to help you. And that's what kind of makes this community so awesome and unique is that instead of genuinely and seriously mocking people who are perceived to be new or asking questions, we kind of embrace the person who asks the questions and really genuinely want to help them because we want them to love the game as much as we do. And I, I really, really enjoy that. And I think that that's just something special. And so that that's, again, that's the result of all of you. I love logging into Discord every day and having multiple DMs of people talking to me about different things, whether it's topics on the show where they're like, yeah, that's completely where I'm at too, man. You know, thanks for bringing up you know, something from that perspective, I really appreciate that, you know, we're not forgotten, you know, in, in this kind of thing. Or there's DMs of, hey, I listened to the show. I don't quite understand what you meant by that. Like, I don't, I don't really agree, but I appreciate you brought it up. And could you explain this a little bit more? And it's those kinds of comments that really make this a fun and exciting uh, thing to do for both of us. And that happens, again, completely just because of you guys in the community. And we are very appreciative and 
thank all of you for that. And I think that's a great place to end this episode because we're on episode 30. You know, whoever thought we'd make it to 30 episodes when we started this whole thing after that lunch at the Thai place in St. Paul, Minnesota, back in December of 2019. But here we are, 30 episodes in, going very strong. We have no intention of stopping. As a matter of fact, we have so many ideas for new production that it's going to be an exciting uh, rest of this year and into the next. We look forward to what Tarkov's doing, but most importantly, uh, we look forward to getting to know each and every one of you more and playing with you more and enjoying our uh, favorite game more. So I'll end this episode a little bit differently than how we normally end. I'll just say, if you haven't already done so, please go check out YouTube at youtube.com slash xpmedianow. We know that there are very separate audiences for both YouTube and for the audio version of the podcast. And if you're an audio listener, thank you for listening to the show. We greatly appreciate you. But we also want you to check out the video version of the show and like the video, maybe leave a comment on the video too. It really helps the algorithm uh, spread the show to more people, which just grows our community more. So beyond that, we're just going to say uh, thank you for everything up to this point. MTB and I greatly appreciate it. And we look forward to the next 30 episodes of the x and good luck in your raids this week. We'll see you later. See you, everybody. Thank you.